and one, one power, active in as the universe, and as in my life, God will. Now please stand while Michael leads us in We Are Circling. You know what? Why don't we remain seated while Mike leads us in surely the presence? Singing our hearts on 
and the power of love. We teach universal principles as guided by Jesus and others, revealing the divine grace. We practice prayer, meditation, and service to be conscious of our oneness in God. Now please stand for our song of joy, God is love, and that's your, your handout. Excerpts 
read from readings that were in A World of Hope, which is the Advent calendar this last year, 2018, for Unity. Be kind to yourself. At times we can become our own worst critics, especially when our joy has been usurped by cynicism. So soften and open, you are acceptable. You are a beautiful child of God. There is so much to appreciate right where you are with what you have. When we feel kindly towards ourselves, it is easier to extend that compassion to others. Each of us is struggling with the same human needs and desires, and each of us is doing the best we can at any given time. Sending love to others is powerful because it brings more compassion and possibility into the world, and it also frees us to be our very best selves. And if you find sometime that others may aggravate you, understanding their behavior cannot take away your peace. Just peacefully bless others for being the best they can in the moment. Perhaps in the next moment, they can be better. But in the present moment, it is all they can do to be who they are. Nevertheless, always remember who you are. You are God's beloved. The loving relationship we have with spirit is a partnership, a team that is invincible and impervious to any erosion of peace. May peace and love be with all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Heavy. Please remain seated for our meditation song, and that would be Exist. Also, a handout. For this song, um, I welcome you to just rest back in your chair and relax if you want to close your eyes. Welcome. If you want to read along or sing along, that's welcome too. And just find that place of peace within you and open to the love in your heart.
And again, that's found inside your songbook. Please put it back when you're done. Together, our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I am. I am thy kingdom come. I am thy will be done. I am on earth, even as I am in heaven. I am giving this day daily bread to all. I am forgiving all life, even as I am all life, forgiving me. I am leading all men and women from temptation. I am delivering all men and women from error. For I am the kingdom, I am the power, and I am the glory of God in eternal, immortal, Manifestation, all this I am. it's practicable 
based on the Christ teachings. These are principles that Christ lived and taught and demonstrated um, in his life and in the 2,000 years that we've been looking at this and working with this, and I say, say uh, 2,000 years, I'm talking about those who are followers of the way of Christ. Uh, not necessarily Christians. I talked about that last month, about the difference in my mind between a Christian and, and a follower of the way of Christ, at least how I see it for myself. So I want to share with you four principles. And I, I know this kind of defies what I was taught. You should always go in threes and all that, because if you go in twos and fours, you're going to drop some. Well, I always drop them anyway. I, I always forget anyway. That's why I have pieces of paper in front of me as my notes to remind me of what I thought I would say before I got here. We'll see what I say at the end of the hour. But um, the, the four principles I do want to talk about are, um, these are, you know, the common term, there is an app for that. <laughs> these are apps. These are applicable principles. You can apply these principles in your life. And they are simple. Faith, love, understanding, and order. Okay? And when I say faith, I don't necessarily mean um, your belief system. What this means to me, and this is one of the things that Charles Fillmore <coughs> wrote about and we've developed, worked on for many years since, is that faith is the perceiving power of mind. And it is the connecting link. In other words, faith gives you the ability, the power to see what's possible in your life. What you can be, what you can do, where you can go, and how you can make that happen. And then the, the connecting link is that it connects you with the resources, the universe. The universe of resources that are available for music, beautiful music or words and literature and books and, and, and babble, you know, those of us who like to get up and babble a lot. Uh, that's why my wife doesn't come to church with me anymore because she hears the babble all the time. But no, that's not true. Say that. She's, a, she's doing yoga right now, and that's what she does. That's her, that's her um, primary. Yoga and meditation are her primary pathway, I think. But I can't speak for her, so I shouldn't. But. <clears throat> understanding. Understanding is a second principle. To have understanding means... Um, there's an, an intelligence, and we know this now. I mean, science has shown us so many things that were uh, like science fiction in the past, that were what seers would tell us about, like understanding knowledge. That, uh, and, and understanding isn't just information. You know, we are, we are um, bombarded by data all the time. If we go outside, we might get away from it. Then we're bombarded and, and engrossed in nature and the beauty of nature. We have that opportunity. But, but if we listen to uh, the media or if we watch television or, or watch movies, whatever it is, we are getting data all the time. But that's not understanding. It's not, information is not understanding. We have to take that and assimilate that and, and take it into our consciousness and make it work for us. For instance, um, the, well, I'll get, I'll get to that. I'll get to that, for instance, later, because um, it's more applicable 
in the context of what I'm going to say between now and then. So don't, re don't I, I hope I remember it can get back to that. <laughs> so love is that power that unifies us. Love is that power that truly um, is the oneness factor in our life. We know that. It connects us, it joins us, greater than faith, greater than than um, a dogma or our creed or anything like that. Love is what really unifies us. And love heals. Love blesses. We have the power of blessing. That's one of the things I like about what we do in unity. And not only here, but unity of the, where I've served all around the world, which has in, been in England and Hawaii and various places throughout this country. Um, and I say Hawaii because to me, Hawaii is not America. It's, it's its own kingdom. It's its own place of beauty and magic and miracles that happen, especially if you swim in the ocean, because that's a very healing presence. It's almost like you're, you're, you're stepping into love and allowing that energy that's in the, the ocean around the islands to heal you. If you have ever tried it, you know what I'm talking about. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful so love is that real, that real aspect that unifies us and draws us together. And then order is the fourth principle. I have touched three, right? Faith, and I, I, I switched around love and understanding. But order is a very important one. We talk about divine order, right? But that is a, a statement of faith or a statement of metaphysics. And yet, in physics, it's been proven. It was proven in 1977, the, um, the scientist in, in presenting a, um, I want to say his name right, so I'm, I'm looking for the spelling of it. it. His name was Ilya Prigogine. Have you heard of Ilya Prigogine? And his uh, theory of thermodynamics is a theory of dissipative systems. And that is, um, Basically, what he said was that when things break down on one level, they have the possibility of reorganizing on another level, on a higher level. In other words, if you have a relationship or a job or, or even your health that begins to break down, that's not the end of things. There is the possibility, there is the potential for it to reorganize on another, on a higher level. And I know that because I've experienced that. Now the Bible base of that principle of order is all things work together for good yeah. for those who love God. Yeah, right. We know that. That's, that's a statement of faith. But, but it, even science agrees with this. Science is telling us so much these days. In recent years, you know, the intelligence of the body that Myrtle Fillmore talked about. In her experience, and what can be a greater science than our own experience over and over and over again? This is one of the books that I love by Paramahansa Yogananda, The Science of Religion. And in that book, he's talking about a science of meditation, of Kriya Yoga, that has been practiced for thousands of years. And if you practice these things, not just sitting in posture and doing things, but if you practice and immerse yourself in, in a commitment to that life, then things change in you. 
Now, with that, um, a total diversion, because I get fascinated by, um, by historical and hysterical things. Um, and recently I heard this program, I saw this program on a um, boat that's up on dry dock in Port Townsend called the Western Flyer. Have you heard of that or been there? It was built up in Tacoma in the um, western shipyards, probably back in the 20s. And it was a, a large persinger that was being used at the time back in the 30s down in Monterey, Monterey Bay for sardine fishing. fishing. And John Steinbeck, you know John Steinbeck, you know the Nobel and, and Pulitzer uh, author? He got together with a scientist um, Mm, I'm sorry, I can't think of the scientist's name. But they went down to Baja, California, and, and into the Sea of Cortez. That's the name of the book, the Sea of Cortez. And they were they did research. It was not this is not a novel. This is not fiction. But it has Steinbeck's wonderful voice in describing things. His ability to write. He was a great writer. And and um, and they did research on the living things that were right along the, the, the beach and at low tide, and sometimes at high tide, they would go gather all these crustaceans and all of the, you know, the, the sea anemones and the cucumbers and you know, all those delicious things you know, that are there. Um, and in it, he wrote this. We search for something that will seem like truth to us. We search for understanding. We search for that principle which keys us deeply into the pattern of all of life. We search for the relations of things one to another. And I think that speaks for us in unity. We search for these principles and how they relate us one to another in that unity of all of life. Yeah? Yes. I do. I'm constantly searching for that. I'm constantly, ah, there it is. There it is again. It can be in a in a child. It can be in a it can be in a baby. Um, a few weeks ago, my daughter, or actually, a few weeks ago, my grandson Finn uh, brought his mother, my daughter, out from New York. They live in Brooklyn uh, most of the time, and Finn is two. Well, he turned two since he was here, actually. And so this is a little guy who is every bit of an Aries, right? April 17th, and just this, ta-da! So, you know, it's like every day, it's like, ta-da! Let's go discover life. Let's go do something. Let's go explore. Let's have an adventure. And so every morning we'd get, by the time we'd wake up, he'd already been awake for two hours, and, <laughs> and he, we'd get up and he'd say, Maybe, Baba! It's like, let's go! Maybe, Baba! I'm Baba, and James, Maybe, and, and so, we would be often doing these adventures, and what we did found one delightful place that we had been to before, but not with a grandson, and that was the Hands-On Children's Museum in Olympia. Have you been there? Oh, yeah. It's so delightful. We went in there, and he was just engrossed in all these things, and one thing that impressed me, well, two things. The first thing that impressed me was that the children were so fascinated and so into all of these things that worked with water, with balls, with, with puffy things, with scarves, with boats, with 
you know, getting in a cop car or a fire truck or an ambulance or climbing stairs, doing all kinds of hands-on stuff. And, they, and there was hardly any conflict. Really, the conflict was with the adults saying, don't do that, or let's go. Don't do, you do that too much, or, you know, don't dribble that, or whatever. But the kids go on very well, until it was time to go, then they cried. But what I noticed, the second thing was, is that so many of the adults would just go sit down. And look so tired, and sometimes bored, and looking at their phones, you know how much good that does. Watching their phones, right? Does anybody ever do that? Looking at the phones. Not that there's anything wrong with it. But you're missing what's right in front of you, right? That's what's going on. Why does that happen? Why is it that every, every child that's created in love winds up as an adult not looking like that anymore? Not everyone. Some do. But for the most part, you know what I'm talking about, right? Why is it that people get so gnarly why is it that people get so um, beaten down? Why is that? Well, I think that um, Mother Teresa uh, spoke to it very well. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she said, there is hunger for ordinary bread, and there is hunger for love, for kindness, for thoughtfulness, like you read about kindness for thoughtfulness. And this is the great hunger that makes people suffer so much. We hunger for love. We hunger not only to get love, but to give love. We hunger, that's why people get so involved in volunteering and doing things with their life energy that can make a difference because if it's given in love, that's the difference. Regardless of whether it can be received with the same intention that you give it. It's giving it out. Love heals. What gets in the way of that is the hurt and the disappointment. Yeah? Personal experience. Anyone have a personal experience? <laughs> I'm not asking for any witnesses or any, any story, but let me share with you this. There is something we can do. And that is, we go, we go through life, most people go through life, and it's like we're carrying a bag of rocks, right? You see my bag of rocks? Does anyone, can anyone relate to this? It's like you're going through life carrying a bag of rocks. And these are rocks where experience has happened, where you've gotten hurt. Someone said something or did something to you that really hurt. And they didn't say anything. They just kept going. And what happened? You carry that in your little bag of rocks, right? And then someone does something. Maybe you had a sweetheart. This is a clay baby. This comes from a beach at a place where I used to live on Fox Island. And the owner's wife, or daughter rather, was my sweetheart for, for at some time. And then she kind, of, she kind of turned her attention to someone else. This was after I graduated from college. So there's, there's a kind of a disappointment. Except I was, that was easy to forgive because she introduced me to my wife, Jane. Who I've been married to for 47 years. So that was a blessing. But we have all of these rocks we carry around. It would be nice if we could just drop them all, right? But that's not how it works. 
And, and what happens is we're not conscious and don't take deliberate action and conscientious or or to, to really cleanse our consciousness. We'll sometimes take them out and look at them, those memories, those feelings, and then we'll put them back in the bag. But forgiveness is taking them out and letting them go. Letting them go. You don't have to carry that anymore. And then what you find, maybe, is that this rock, that someone said something, you can't sing, or you're not smart, you'll never be able to do that, right? That there's a blessing there. That really there is love there, right? You see that? You see that heart? That that is, that there is love when you can do the forgiveness, but it's up to you, right? And that's what love is all about. It's up to you. It's up to us to give it. It's up to us to, to share that with others. I'll get the rocks off the, <laughs> off the top instead of leaving them there. But you can have them if you want, except for the heart, the heart room. What was the other thing I was going to say? There for was instance. Huh? For instance. <laughs> what about that for instance? <laughs> you were going to put something later on. But yeah, what was it? We don't know. We're waiting for you to tell. Us. Okay, well, <laughs> if you're waiting for me. <laughs> so, okay, let me say this. Um, this is the, uh, this is Sunday, is Easter Sunday for the um, Orthodox Church, right? That's why I wore a tie. I wore a tie in my best, my best suit. Actually, part of my best suit. I just had my my regular regular pants on. Uh, well, I didn't wear jeans like I normally do. But anyway, I wore the tie because it's Easter, right? So I th I find today is a, a good time. A week later, a good time to reflect back on what Easter means, because what does it mean, right? Charles Fillmore said that when Jesus said to to humankind, "Follow me." He didn't say, follow me into the crucifixion. He didn't need to, you know, because our egos are really good at that. Our egos are really good at setting us up with situations <laughs> that crucify us or that we keep reminding of all those disappointments, all those failures, all those things that we've gone through, right? But the crucifixion, it gives way to the resurrection. And the resurrection, or as Fillmore called it, the regeneration, to regenerate, to rejuvenate, or to transform our lives. That's what Easter is about to me. Yeah. Two weeks ago, almost, uh, Notre Dame uh, Cathedral just about was destroyed with the tragic fire that happened. And, and it happened due to short-circuiting, I guess, of some wires uh, in the, the remodeling process. Well, Jane and I and our kids went there a little over 20 years ago. And while we were, after we came back, I got a book on Notre Dame and read it. And one of the things I found was there's a legend, and I, I think, I don't know how true it is, but I love legends anyway. And that is that um, two or 300 years ago, they were remodeling the cathedral. And in doing so, they down in the basement, on the ground floor, in the earth, 
they discovered a, um, some, some uh, little statues of pre-Christian belief, of some goddesses, goddess figures, figurines that were buried there. And then that's where in Ile de Cité, um, on the island in the city, that's where, of Paris, that's where the cathedral was built. So for some people, the cathedral represents um, a religion. For me, it represents much more than that. It represents a, a, a very human aspect of the divine feminine, right? That there is something, there's this deep eternal beauty of the divine feminine within life, within trees, within animals, within the ocean, within the mountains, within us, all of us. Um, six days before Passover, according to the Bible, Jesus went to the village of Bethany, and there he was being served dinner. This was uh, Martha was serving the dinner, and her brother Lazarus, who had just been, according to the Bible, had been resurrected from the dead, Lazarus was there sitting at the table with Jesus. And Mary walked in with a container of very uh, fragrant, special oil. And she began anointing Jesus. And while she was doing that, um, tears began flowing and she wiped the tears off of his feet with her hair. Remember that story? Yeah. Okay. Um, that is such a beautiful story of transformation, of resurrection, of whatever Mary had that she was, that in those tears of joy and of relief, of transformation for her, uh, it was gone. In the book of Mark it says that, that, that all of those um, sins, or the demons, he called it the demons, to overcome those demons, whether it's addiction, whether it's um, attachments, whether it's believing or, or feeling, uh, all that pain and all that suffering that had been going on. There is that purifying tears, that purifying energy of all of that coming out and then flowing. And so the connection of absolute love, absolute forgiveness, absolute connectedness that happens between Jesus. And by the way, the, the name Christ is not Jesus' last name. You know that. Christ comes from the word Christos, which means the anointed one. And it was a woman who anointed him. You know, which I find profoundly wonderful because, because in... Um, most religions and most uh, hierarchies, it's a man's world, right? But that's not the way it is in reality. That's the way it is in man-made reality, but that's the way man writes off that. You, you know what I'm talking about. It's, the reality is that it was a woman who did this and the connectedness that she had with him. Whether it was Mary, I haven't, honestly, I can't quite figure out personally, you know, uh, Bible scholars will tell you all kinds of things, and I can't quite personally figure out in my reading uh, if this was Mary Magdalene 
or Mary, the sister of Martha, uh, and I think there was another Mary in there, and then there was Mother Mary. But to me, it doesn't really matter, because they all represent the divine feminine in one degree or one, one way or another. And so that's that part of us that comes through and comes out of our pain and our hurt and our insecurity and our unknowingness. We don't know how to deal with things all the time. And then the entire world is soaked <coughs> through with Christ, with the divinity, like an electron that is moving constantly within the atom, all atoms. There's a Sufi friend up in uh, Seattle area, maybe you've heard of him, Jamal Rahman. Have you heard of Jamal? He is uh, part of the, the three spiritual amigos. There's a Jewish rabbi, uh, Rabbi Falcon, and uh, there's Jamal, the Sufi, who represents the Muslim tradition. There's a Christian minister, McCormick, I can't quite think of his name right now, but anyway, wonderful, wonderful people. And they go around the country talking about the connectedness of all their religions. They all come from the Abrahamic tradition, right? Abraham, the different, not quite the same Abraham that you're talking about, but, but Abram. And, and said, ultimately, our knowledge of God is personal experience. All theologies of the world are as nothing compared with what mystics describe as the whisper of the beloved or the glow of presence. Belief based on what Sufis describe as borrowed certainty is no substitute for an inner experience of the divine. Go there yourself. Experience it yourself. Open your heart yourself. Maya Angelou said, hate. It has caused a lot of problems in this world, but it has not solved one yet. So true. So true. So be kind. Be kind to yourself and be kind to everyone around you, all living things. Love one another as I've loved you. Be patient with others and be patient with yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Forgive others unconditionally, including yourself. And be grateful. Be grateful for everyone and everything. And bless the world. Oh, it's time for a meditation. Okay. So let's get still. And in getting still, just relax. Breathe deeply. Sit with your spine erect, if you can. And allow yourself to put your attention on your breathing for a moment, to just breathe in and out.
And as you do, allow yourself to move your attention from the breath into your heart. It's not very far. The center of love. And allow that love to move through you just like the breath. The breath is taking oxygen into your lungs and there into your capillaries and the whole bloodstream throughout your body, the organs, the tissues. And allow love to move through you just so. Allow that love to penetrate those areas that have been hardened. To penetrate deeply into your being, your soul, your mind, your body. That you can vibrate with love. And moving from inside the center of your being out to the circumference of who you are, beyond your body, let this love radiate. Let this love happen in you and do its work, its magic, its miracles. And we thank you, Lord of Love, for doing your work in everyone for our families, our friends, all our relations, all of our brothers and sisters in this community and around the world. Just like with each breath, we let it go. We release it into the universe and allow that peace to settle deep within us. Peace of mind, peace in our bodies. And so for this we give thanks. We give thanks for all the good in our lives, all of the good in our world, in the beautiful people, the wonderful people who serve, the nurses, the firefighters, the mothers, the grandmothers, everyone who gives 
and light and hope. Thank you, God, for everything. two containers, silver one is for supporting our center, and the copper one is for our outreach programs. Our offering prayer is located inside your program. And let's say it together as we hold our offerings in our hands. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I give. group healing energy for someone, just call out their name or hold them quietly in your heart.
beloved Mother, Father, God, we ask for the highest and greatest good for our brothers and sisters and endeavor to see them through your eyes, knowing all is in divine order. Amen. closing, let's all say the prayer of protection together, and it's found on the back of your program or on the wall to your right. Together, the light of God surrounds us, the love of God enfolds us, the power of God protects us, the presence of God watches over us, wherever we are, God is and all Let's form our circle, join hands, and sing our song of peace. I'd like to thank everyone who made this service such a wonderful event. Jerry out there welcoming people. Hallie giving us words of comfort and joy. And of course, John for his blessings, and Michael for his wonderful music. Let this be my dream.